are back for another episode of Mastering Love and Life with Clifton Brandley. Man, it is good to be in the presence of the Lord just one more time. Um, man, it <laughs> life is so life. Man, so much has happened in between um, last session, I mean, last episode and this one. And I tell you what, man, God is just amazing. God is amazing. And, you know, growing is often never fun. It's necessary, but it's never fun. And, um, not and, but when you get to the other side of the pain and you've allowed God to use the pain for the purpose that he wants to use it for, which is always to grow you and elevate you. There's nothing like that harvest. There's nothing like, there's nothing like, um, there's nothing like living in the fruit of what used to be a poisonous root and now the fruit is sweet. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Man, God's been good. But but as you may can tell by what I'm saying, I've been growing. <laughs> so... Um, there's been some pain and, and I've been growing. But that made me want to talk about uh, this particular topic. I've been, you know, I know I'm in, in this series on the mind, but I was like, you know, I, I've been doing a lot of a lot of sharing, really based on the individual. And although the marriage is made up of two individuals, Right. Um, I wanted to speak to the marriage unit specifically. And so that's why I'm making a, a slight shift. I, I probably will come back to the mind uh, series, but I want to make a shift and and talk about what makes marriage hard. What makes marriage difficult? Yeah, I want I want to share a few things as far as what makes marriage hard what what makes it what makes it difficult um and when i say what makes it difficult i'm not talking about simply you know why we can't get along sometimes i'm talking about the kind of difficult that makes the divorce rate look the way it looks that's the kind of i'm talking about the kind of difficult that makes you want to give up so I let's talk about what, what makes marriage hard uh, in no certain order. Right. I'm just going to share these. Uh, I'm not I'm not sharing them in any certain order because uh, I didn't I didn't take time to put I just wrote them down. I didn't take time to put them in any order. I just wrote them as they came to me. Um, but one thing that makes marriage difficult 
Well, first, you know what? Let me talk about some of the things that don't make marriage difficult that we think make marriage difficult. Finances don't make marriage difficult. I'm sorry. That's bad English. Finances do not. What you make that does not make marriage bad. I mean, difficult. That doesn't make marriage difficult. Mm -mm. But what's on my list makes finances bad, which then may make you think that finances make marriage difficult. And I keep saying bad, but I mean difficult. Um, No, but finances don't. You guys fighting one another doesn't necessarily make, make marriage difficult. You guys disagreeing? Not so much. The fact that I'm imperfect, that's not it. I mean, obviously, that is that's the thing, right? If we were perfect, then we would not have these problems. But that's not the, that's not the answer to, you know, we think those are the things that make marriage difficult, but it's not. Okay, so let's just get to it. The first one I want to talk about is communication. When you can't communicate, marriage is going to be difficult. Trust and believe. If you cannot communicate about the difficult topics of life and love, you are going to suffer in marriage. Why? Because, number one, how do you express who you are if you can't communicate? How do you express what your needs are if you can't communicate? Number two, how do you get to know your partner if you can't communicate? Number three, how do you grow as a person if you don't know how to communicate? How do you resolve conflict? When conflict arises, how do you resolve it if you cannot communicate? Communication is it's the primary way as a matter of fact, it's the only way, unless I'm mistaken, it's the only way we humans send each other messages. So if you don't learn how to send and receive effective messages, you are going to suffer in marriage because marriage is a natural relationship with supernatural implications but because it is a natural relationship it is going to have some problems because natural means imperfect in this world and two imperfect things trying to occupy occupy the same space at the same time that's going to be trouble okay so um if you can't communicate about that if you can't say hey that hurt in a respectful way where we can talk but we always fight, so we never resolve anything. Yeah. That's hard. That's real hard. And that's not, that's not a marriage I want to be a part of. Like, that's, that would be miserable. You can't talk. Like, y'all can't communicate. Y'all, y'all can't communicate. Here's, here's what Proverbs uh, 16.24 says. I like this. Kind words... Words are part of communication. Kind words are like honey 
sweet to the soul, and healthy for the body. That tells me that becoming an effective communicator is important so that way you can speak kind words that are like honey, whether you are good or whether you are bad. But watch this. If you don't do that work, you can only speak kind words when you feel kind-hearted. But on the days when you feel like you're being mistreated, can you still be kind-hearted? You can't if you don't put in the work to become an effective communicator. Kind words are like honey. Sweet to the soul and healthy for the body. That's everything except my spirit, my body, and my soul. When you speak kind words, it does something to me on the inside and the outside. When you speak kind words, it makes my heart pitter-patter. You understand? When you speak kind words, this thing says it's sweet to the soul. That means it feels good. That's pleasure. Sweet to the soul. My soul is pleased with your kind words. And then when it says healthy for the body, why? Because your kind words relieve stress. And when I'm not stressed, I'm not I'm not pumping out unnecessary cortisol that's going to poison my body. So it's healthy for me. You better learn how to speak kind words to your partner. And the only way you're going to learn how to speak kind words to your partner is if you learn how to communicate. Yeah, learn how to communicate. Another thing, another thing that makes marriage difficult is being more concerned with what you are getting than what you are giving. Being more concerned with what you're with what you're getting than what you're receiving. I mean, what you're getting than what you're giving, that makes marriage difficult. Why? Because you're living a prideful life. You're walking in pride. When you're more concerned about what you're getting than what you're giving, your focus is in the wrong place. So what you give, so most people, let's just talk about this. Most people get married for the reason of their own happiness. Listen, rarely do we get married, if at all, to make somebody else happy. I'm going to marry you to make your life better. Now, we may arrogantly think that, you know, in a playful way, whatever, but really, I'm marrying you because I love you, I care about you, I want to spend my life with you. That's all about me. That's pride. Yes, most of us get married <laughs> because of pride. Isn't that crazy? That's crazy to me, but it's true. Most of us get married because of pride. But watch this. Watch this. If you stay married, or, or should I say, let me say it this way to make sure it's understood correctly. If pride stays the way that you operate, you won't stay together. If, if pride stays your motive, where it's all about you, you won't, you won't survive. See, you mistakenly thought that getting married was about your life being upgraded or both of you get life, both of y'all's life being upgraded and what you're going to get. But no, marriage is about 
your service to the person you chose. Your marriage is not about their service to you. Your marriage is about your service to them. You, sir, you, ma'am, are there to serve. What they do is not your business. That's between them and God. Your business is what you give. When's the last time you heard that at a marriage conference? Because the thing is, we want to say, hey, I got married. I didn't sign up for this. Like, I didn't sign up to be neglected. I didn't sign up to be rejected. I didn't sign up to be turned down. I didn't sign up to not be dated. I didn't sign up to not go shopping whenever I want to. I didn't sign up to be broke. Like, I didn't sign up for this. But you did, though, because you signed up to be a servant. I'm sorry. That you were bamboozled, hoodwinked, led astray. But marriage is primarily about service. Now, sir, why do you say that? Well, because marriage is God's idea, number one. Number two, uh, the Bible says husbands love your wives, wives respect your husbands. So love is a part of marriage. There is no love without sacrifice. And by definition, love is not about you. Love is about the person that you are loving. So if I love you, what I am saying is I am committing to sending love actions your way. I'm not saying thank you for loving me and I feel good because you love me. No, no. I love you means my love is going from me to you, which means I owe you my service. But when you're more concerned with what you are getting than what you are giving, then you will turn the marriage upside down because your needs aren't getting met. And you know who do that? Children. How do I know? Because at the at the beginning of my marriage, I was a child. Y'all not even. I, I was a kid. I was an emotional child when I got married. Because I was so engulfed in pride, I thought that I would do. I, I thought that I was doing God's work. I thought that I was um, operating inside of God's will by trying to help her be the woman of God that she's supposed to be. But what I did not realize is that uh, I was allowing my unknowing of myself to guide me immaturely to a place where I'm trying to control her behavior, disguise it as holiness, right? Disguise it as holiness, control her behavior so that I can get the marriage that I want. Why? Because I'm the therapist and I know what marriage is supposed to look like. And if you would just do what I say, not like out of obedience, but I'm saying if you just follow the tools and tips I give you, if you just read your Bible and allow God to speak to you, this marriage can move along because I already have all the answers. I know how this works. 
immature. But now, I understand that it's not my job as a husband to change my wife. Thank goodness it's not my job because if it was my job, it would be a job I'd be incapable of performing because I cannot change another human being. That's why God didn't give me the job because I can't do it. God is the only one that can change someone. So then, my only resolve is to focus on my service, trust God to change whatever he's going to change, but that's not my business. I got to work on me. And the same goes for you. You have to work on you. You have to get out of this prideful, childish mindset of what have you done for me lately? I call that Janet Jackson theology. You got to get out of this mindset where you are looking for somebody to make you happy. Happiness is, so I tell people all the time, marriage is not the place that you come looking for happiness. It doesn't live there. Happiness has its address inside of you. You've just vacated it. You won't let happiness in, but happiness home is with you. It's not in your marriage. Don't come to marriage looking for happiness. All you're going to find is pride. So, yeah, people, people be more concerned with what they're getting than what they're giving. If that's you, I'm going to strongly encourage you to stop doing that. Here's another reason that marriage goes sideways. When people have difficulty, or I, I, I shouldn't even say difficulty, to be honest. Um, let's just say when people don't, because the only way you're going to have difficulty with it, with it is to be aware of it. And most people are not aware of what I'm about to share. So um, when you are still married or stay married, to your idea, then your reality suffers. What? I, preacher, that doesn't make sense. Okay, well, let me help you. I tell people all the time in our coaching sessions, I say, listen, you need to divorce your idea so that you can stay married to your reality. What is your idea? Your idea of a husband or a wife is what you created in your mind before you ever met your spouse. Otherwise, you would not have been able to choose them because you would not have had a template to compare them to. So this idea of a husband or a wife that you are trying to fit your partner in, it was not created with them in mind. But you thought it did. That's why you chose them. But the reality is, you got, you married Susie, not Sally. You married Jim, not Johnny. And you need to be embracing the reality that you chose. But you're only going to be able to do that if you divorce your idea. The idea that you created on your own, that you brought with you, you need, you need to divorce that 
so you can stay married to the reality that's in your bedroom. Because it is the reality that is in your bedroom that God wants you to build a future with so that you two can become one flesh and fulfill what God said in the beginning. It's the reality in your bed. Yeah, the reality in your kitchen. The reality who you don't want to talk to early in the morning. That is who you need to be focused on being married to. You need to divorce your idea. Mm -hmm. Your idea of what a husband is supposed to be. Your idea of what a wife is supposed to do. Your idea of how parenting is supposed to happen. Your idea of what leadership roles the man's supposed to have and how the woman is supposed to submit and what the children is supposed to do. Your idea you created before you had the reality of your family that you have. And if you stay married to that idea, you are going to lose your reality or your mind. <laughs> you're going to lose one of them. You're going to lose reality that you're married to, or you're going to lose your mind. Divorce your idea. I beseech ye therefore now, brethren, divorce your idea. Okay? That makes marriage difficult because your partner will not be able to measure up to your idea. And here's the thing. The crazy thing is there is possibly a time, There's poss it's possible that there was a time when you thought they did, but I'm here to tell you they never, ever fit into your idea. That is not possible because you are not God. You cannot come up with an imagination in your mind. I don't care where you got it from. You can got it. You, you could have gotten it from Disney. Disney. You could have gotten it from the news, the media, your parents, your neighborhood, your culture. I don't know. But wherever you got it from, if you pieced it together from all of those places, you can't put that together and then that person shows up unless you are God and you're not. So <laughs> divorce, divorce your idea. Okay. Uh, here's another one. Now this is, this is, this is, this is a big one, but I think it goes hidden often. Most times people don't know that this is the cause of their frustrations and they're frustrating themselves because of this. What is it? Hidden. I'm sorry, not hidden. They are hidden, but we, here's what we call them. Unspoken expectations. Unspoken expectations. Expectations that we both don't share, that we don't both share. Expectations that only one of us has. We can't go, we can't. We can't uphold those. Whatever is expected in the marriage, we got to both have it. We both got to expect this, right? So, but the expectations themselves is bad. But what makes it worse is when the expectations are unspoken. And to be honest, pretty much all of us have unspoken expectations. Because most of us, to be honest, most of us are not mature enough 
at the at a mature enough place where we truly know ourselves like we're supposed to. And so um, we really have expectations. Some of them we don't even know we have, right? Because we're not even mature enough to know ourselves like that, right? But these expectations are unspoken. And, and um, sometimes we find out we have them when they're not being met. That's what we call frustration. Frustration is... A collection of unmet expectations. But when you have unspoken expectations, and so so your unspoken expectations are connected to your idea. Ooh. I, I needed a sound effect right there, right? Uh, yeah, your, your unspoken expectations, they are rooted in your idea that I just told you that you need to divorce. Yeah, you need to divorce your idea. You need to divorce those expectations that went with it because you are going to punish your partner for not being the person that you want them to be in your head because you fully believe this is what this is what husband this was this is what a husband's supposed to be this is what a wife is supposed to be and this is what i want this is what i want because i need someone to love me for me right so yes i want this and i want that but that ain't what you chose <laughs> That's not what you chose, sir. That's not what you chose, ma'am. Mm-mm-mm. No, 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 no. I want a mechanic. Sorry, wrong number. <laughs> that ain't what you chose. You know, I want somebody that can uh, dance like Chris Brown. Mm-hmm. That ain't what you chose. I want somebody that will romance me like we are in our own notebook movie. Mm-mm. That's not what you chose. Open up your box. Come open up your gift. Open up your box and see what's in the box that you chose. Because for you to continue to keep your box closed, look in the box that you created, and then look at your partner and say, why aren't these clothes fitting you that's coming out this box? Because they were not designed, created for him. You need to open up your box that you chose at the altar and learn to love what's in there. I'm all red. I'm not going to even say it. Yeah. You need to learn what's in. You need to learn to love what's in that box. I'm talking about unspoken expectations because your your unspoken your expectations need to die. The only expectations that are allowed in marriage are the ones we both have. And the reason we have these because we came to an agreement. Okay, this is what we expect. Outside of that, now, there are some unspoken expectations that you have you don't know you have. I get that. But here's how you handle them. When you notice that you have them because it, it didn't get met, and so then you get triggered. And so now you notice that you have the expectation. Don't jump down your partner's throat. First, turn towards the mirror. Look at yourself 
and try to understand why you have this expectation if it is not one of the expectations that we both have agreed upon. Okay, so um, check yourself. Why do I have this expectation? And then deal with it. Don't bring it to your partner. After you've worked it out, then you can bring it to them. Say, babe, this is what I was dealing with. You didn't even know because thank God I've grown and I've matured and now I can handle things on my own and then bring it to you and tell you what God did with me. I don't need you to validate my brokenness. I just take it right to God. So look what I worked out. It's, it's, I had this expectation of you and I did not know I had it. Like I expected you to move one way and you moved another way. And I felt some kind of way, but I listened to that guy, Clifton Brantley. And so I didn't go to you. I went to the mirror and I looked at myself and I tried to understand why I had an expectation inside of me that we hadn't agreed to. And what I discovered is that this is an expectation that I got, don't laugh at me, please, from the Cosby show. I got it from the Cosby show. It's not even, it's not even real in real life. So I'm sorry I had that expectation, number one, but I'm grateful that I was able to handle it maturely. Like Mr. Clifton Brantley told me to. He is a really, really good coach. Like he cares about his clients. He he wants to know, like, like he he is very hands-on. He cares about their progress. He, he gives them uh, tools that they can use. He helps with their mindset, right? He, he has a lot of value to his client's life. I like that guy, Clifton Brantley. <laughs> Shameless plug. Sorry. Um, but anyway, unspoken expectations. And you know what? So here's the thing about, about the unspoken um, expectations, um, not wanting to get rid of your reality and all those things. Ultimately, it it leads to, or, you know, I, I don't know if it leads to or it just is. But ultimately, yeah, it, it is. Ultimately, it stems from pride. Okay. It stems from, and, and honestly, I'll take it a step further. It really stems from the evil twins, Pride and fear. Yeah. Pride and fear are the evil twins of love, the evil twins of life. Pride and fear. They run together. They always run together. Fear goes first, and then pride. Will. Fear opens the door. Pride walks right in. But when you are living this way, where you don't want to accept your reality, you stay stuck to your idea, you have these unspoken expectations. Um, when you focus more on what you are get, getting than what you are giving, you're prideful. Here's the thing about pride. The danger of pride is that you don't know you're walking in it until destruction shows up. Because the Bible says pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. 
pride will disguise itself to look like righteousness. So when you're walking in pride, you think you're going the right way. That's why you don't know you're in it until destruction shows up. And pride, my friends, pride is at the root of 100% of divorces. 100%. Every single one. The root of every divorce is pride. Even if one person, if you want to say one person is innocent, pride made them get married. At the root of every divorce, I'm convinced pride is at the root of it. If for no other reason that divorce were never, was never God's intention from the very beginning, and the only reason that things are the way that they were, uh, the way they are now, instead of how God made it in the beginning, it's because of pride. So, however you slice it, pride is at the root of one hundred percent divorce. You don't want to be walking in pride. Pride will destroy your life. Fear will keep you paralyzed. Pride will keep your eyes on you. When your eyes are on you, you cannot serve, you cannot love, but watch this, you also are going to be limited in your capacity to receive. You're going to be limited. You're not going to be able to receive. Not walking in pride. Um, here's, let, me, let me read something to you. This is Proverbs 13.10. It says, pride leads to conflict. And then it says, those who take advice are wise. So, so if, if you walk in pride, you get into conflict. But if you get counsel, then that says you're wise, which tells me that pride is fool, foolish also. Because the opposite of being wise is a fool. Pride leads to conflict. So then if, if pride leads to conflict, then what leads to um, conflict resolution? Has to be love, right? It takes love to overcome pride. Here's, here, in my, in my, <laughs> in my unpublished, in my unpublished book, uh, I talk about this. Here's the analogy. Here's the thing about love and pride. Well, pride, pride and fear and love. Because pride and fear always work together, right? But here's the thing about them. In my book, I call um, pride and fear the evil twins. And I call them the destroyers. I liken it to like tag teams back in the day. Remember the Midnight Express? I don't know if you're old enough, if you're listening to this. Remember wrestling way back then with the Midnight Express and the Junkyard Dog, right? Well, they had tag teams. And Pride and Fear is a tag team. I call them, they're the evil twins, but their name, they're the destroyers. Why? Because I related them to termites. So termites cause over $5 billion worth of damage a year. That's billion with a B. Five billion. And the majority of the damage that it that they do is done in the darkness. It's done because of the darkness. 
And and when I looked up, well, how do you get termites? How do you get rid of termites? Or how you, how do you prevent termites? It says you get termites because you're not letting enough light into your house. So watch this. Love represents light. Pride and fear represents darkness. How do you get rid of pride and fear? Well, how do you get rid of darkness? Turn on the light. Now watch this. There is no struggle between light and darkness. The only way that darkness can overcome light is if the light gives up. That's it. As long as these lights in this room are on, darkness cannot come in here. It is impossible. The only way for darkness to come in is if the lights go off. In the same way, if you are full of pride and fear, or if your partner is full of fear and pride, the only thing that's going to get it out of them is love. You love them, but then you pray for them that they will be filled and showered and covered with the love of God. Love washes away a multitude of sins, and it is love that can cast out this fear and pride. These are the reasons that marriage is difficult. Thank y'all for hanging out with me. I'll talk to you guys next time.